minutes, 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff, 32 minutes past the hour. as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Did you know that in rare cases, banks can fail? Yeah, that's why we have the CDIC. The CDIC what now? (laughs) The Canada Deposit Insurance Corporation, a federal agency that safeguards your deposits. Check it out and see if you're protected at cdic.ca. This is the Alien UFO Podcast, episode 47. I'm your host, Simon Bowne. My mission here at the Alien UFO Podcast is to investigate all things that are part of the wider UFO phenomena. I'm looking at UFO sightings, alien abduction, historic cases and other related events. And please check out my other podcast, it's called The Past Lives Podcast, and it looks into evidence of the afterlife. And if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe. So this week I'm talking to Grant Cameron about his book, UFO Sky Pilots, Pilots of Peace and Oneness. Grant Cameron has been a UFO researcher since 1975. He's the winner of the Leeds Conference International Researcher of the Year and the UFO Congress Researcher of the Year. He is a world-recognised expert on presidents and UFOs, the Canadian government and UFOs, the alien music connection and the relationship of consciousness to UFOs. Hi Grant, thanks a lot for coming on to the podcast. Well, Simon, thank you very much, and I appreciate your interest in what I'm doing. And I wanted to talk to you about your new book. It's called UFO Sky Pilots, Pilots of Peace and Oneness. And it's kind of about conscious flying saucers visiting the Earth and maybe conscious humans piloting them. Yeah, it's it's kind of an aspect, I think, that the UFO community has sort of ignored. They're very much into nuts and bolts and the idea that we're there's an engine inside the flying saucer and we're going to pull this engine out and we're going to, you know, get some new technology and make some money and all this kind of stuff. And and the book, uh, UFO Sky Pilots, shows you very clearly that there's a consciousness interface to this whole thing. So I take three dozen people that I found, most of them came to me mysteriously. They all sort of arrived on my doorstep and uh, they would all sort of say, I've flown a craft. I remember the first woman. I thought she was crazy. I was going to throw her out of the house. I, I could not believe that anybody could come up with such a bizarre story uh, that, you know, they were flying the craft. And that's when I asked her, I said, well, why do you fly a craft? After I sort of was lost, lost enough questions. And she said, oh, you do it with your mind. And I had had a experience in 2012, February 26th watching Colin Andrews give a lecture on crop circles in Arizona. And, um, I, or actually it was in Laughlin, Nevada. And it was during that, uh, lecture where I was sort of zoning out where I got with absolute certainty, a, a sort of a download experience, almost like near death experience. You'll see in near death experiences, 31% of all, uh, people who've had near death experiences will say at one point during their experience, they knew the answer to everything in the universe. And the UFO community, the experiencers, it's 40% say at one point during their experience, they knew the answer to everything in the universe. And when they came back, they sort of, all they could remember was that at one point they knew everything. And you can ask them, well, how do you know that? Uh, how do you know they didn't forget to tell you number six, seven, eight on the far side of the universe? And they will say exactly what I would say about my experience in 2012. I'm not sure. I just know. It comes with this sense of absolute knowledge that this is the way it works. So I had this consciousness experience and they set me up with this woman. I didn't know who she was. 
And that started down this road of three dozen uh, plus people who all made the same claim. In fact, if you're you're familiar with Ray Hernandez and the Free Foundation, they did 3,000 experiencers and they asked, and the people that were asked the question of the people who answered, 14% said they'd flown the craft. And I remember talking to Ray Hernandez and I said, well, don't you think we should talk to some of these people? This sounds pretty important. And he said, well, people see all sorts of stuff on board the ship. And I said, well, yeah, that may be true, but when, when they're actually says they make this story that they're flying the craft, I mean, don't you think we should talk? And that is a critically important thing. Even if you, I don't know if you follow all the sort of the inside baseball stuff, like the Wilson leak document, if you're familiar with that, that's this document that the, one of the admirals who's a former head of intelligence for the joint chiefs of staff went looking for the UFO program and he was blocked. They hung up the phone on him and all this sort of stuff. And one of the things that he was told was that they have a craft and they think it will fly. And when I saw that, I said, I know exactly what's going on. They've got an intact craft and they cannot make it go because it needs a consciousness interface the same way as now you may need like a, uh, my computer uses a, a face print. So it, it, it only when my face is in the computer will it turn on or people use a thumbprint to turn on a, on a cell phone. That's what's happening is there's a consciousness interface and everybody described the same thing. It was almost like they were reading off a cue card. And they'd say, I, got, I went into the saucer. There was, two, there was two beings behind me or people, I'm not sure. They said, go ahead and do it. And then I would say, I don't know what to do. And they would say, go ahead and do it. And then they would put their hand on a ball or a panel or a panel on the wall. They would suddenly be able to see in 360 degrees, which is another bizarre thing. Why would you make up a story like that? I mean, if you're going to make up a story about being on the craft, that's, that's not some, something you want to add because nobody's going to believe that. You could see in 360 degrees. And then they said, you know, you suddenly, you become one with the craft, which is very important in the, the philosophical idea because it's this idea of oneness in the universe, that you become one with the craft. The craft is AI. The craft is actually alive. It's an alive um, being. And some people even give the craft a name. And then you become one with the craft and whatever you think is what the craft does. And people will be told by the beings They'll be say, where would you like to go? And the one guy said, for example, he said, I'd like to see the Milky Way from a distance, which would be like 50, 70,000 light years. And in one second, he looked out the window and there was the Milky Way. But they told him, you, it's within you. It's inside you. You have to imagine where you want to go. And as soon as that happens, they were there. So it's this very bizarre consciousness thing. But it's not one. For example, uh, Gary Nolan, if you've interviewed him, the biologist from you know um stanford university who's doing the work with kit green on the experiencers brains and dna and stuff like that he said one case is an anecdotal story two is evidence and i would say 36 cases of all people describing exactly the same thing needs to be investigated and it's this very important consciousness interface this idea that they all say consciousness is primary to moving the craft around and there've been hints, haven't there, over the decades of this kind of thing, where perhaps they, there was somebody talked about something that was in the Roswell craft that looked like it was a consciousness interface, and then somebody else who I think was from Skunk Works said it has something to do with ESP. Yeah, that was my that was my download experience in 2012. I, I had it sort of put three pieces of the puzzle together instantaneously in my head, and that's when I went, "Oh, that's what it means." And the one was to show you how far this goes back. You mentioned the Roswell thing, and in 1950, I'm from Canada, so in 1950, the Canadian government put out a top-secret memo. It's one of the only top-secret UFO documents there is, and in that document, Wilbur Smith, who ran the Canadian government flying saucer program called Project Magnet, said um, he had gone down to the United States, and he had um, asked questions about, about flying saucers, and he said, I was told by American officials, so not by people on the street, American officials, that flying saucers exist. It's the most highly classified subject in the United States. There's a small group headed by Dr. Vannevar Bush who are trying to figure out how it works. And it's of tremendous significance to the Americans. And then the, the, the thing that I never really thought about until I had that download experience watching Colin Andrews is the very next line says, and we were also told by American officials that other things might be associated with the craft, such as mental phenomena. The Americans aren't doing very well because they said if we're working on the problem, they're willing to exchange credentials and talk to us. 
1950, the American officials told the Canadian officials that flying, that the mental phenomena was part of the flying saucer thing. Now that's important because it's not until 1952 that Adamski and Williamson come forward and say, oh, we were talking to these aliens in the desert and it was all telepathic. That didn't take place till two years later. There was nobody really on the, on the record talking to aliens in 1950. So how did the, how did the Americans know that mental phenomena was involved? And that may be because they, they got this consciousness interface in the Roswell craft or the other story was that they had a live alien in the Roswell crash and it was telepathic and it was talking in people's heads. And that's what I say the, 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 the officials are hiding. That's what's the important part. It's not the, the crafts and the UFOs are here and they're, they're coming from wherever. It's this idea of being able to go in somebody's head and being able to, uh, you know, move from place to place. There's even uh, I, the next book I have coming out is called um, Apports and Manifestations, where I quote from a Defense Intelligence Agency document where they say, we would love to be able to do this apportation thing that happens in physical mediumship and it happens in UFOs. It happens in psychics where stuff falls out of the, out of the ceiling and uh, Leslie Kane has a hand appear in front of the, in this physical seance. And they said, we'd love to be able to do this apport thing because we can go into the enemy. We can steal documents copy the documents, and then put them back without the enemy even knowing we were there. And so that's what I say is the American officials, they're interested in the technology. And that's why when you see the whole uh, whole TT, or the uh, ATIP controversy, the OSAP program, where you take a close look at that, you see it was not really a UFO program. It was a program to go and investigate Skinwalker Ranch. And that is because at Skinwalker Ranch, the, the, the intelligence, whoever it was, had taken four bulls and put them inside a locked trailer. So if you're the intelligence, you want to say, boy, would we'd like to be able to do that. And when these three guys, you hear the story about the hitchhikers where these three guys were walking down the road and they, they got stopped by this cold front and, and then they backed away and they had this fear and they, they decided that they were going to leave and never come back. The one part of the story that's left out is that they heard a voice in their head and the voice said, leave, you are not welcome. And they were absolutely terrified. These were special forces guys, and they were armed, which is extremely important. The, the, carrying guns will will be a reflective thing that you can have a very bad experience. So that's the whole thing the, the American military, I think, or the intelligence people are interested in, is how do you get in somebody's head and talk in their head? How do you move around from here to there? All this kind of stuff, because it has all these military implications. And if the Russians and the Chinese figure it out before we do, then they're going to be able to come in and steal our documents. They're going to be able to come in and talk in the president's head. And that's the scary part is, you know, the tele telepathy part. If you can actually sit there and read the president's mind, then the president can't stand up and make a bunch of stories, lie about this and lie about that because everybody can read his mind. It has the, all these implications that go way beyond UFOs and to get into all the other paranormal phenomena. And I say all the paranormal phenomena are connect, connected. If you start linking them all together, you see the same sort of thing, the telepathy, the uh, loss of time and space, uh, all this kind of stuff. And I, I find it extremely interesting. And we maybe in the next hundred years will get there. But I think we're starting to move in that direction where uh, for the first time, uh, physicists are allowed to talk about consciousness. When I had the 2012 download experience about consciousness, where I had the Canadian government with the, the, the story about the Canadian government um, was told that mental phenomena is involved and Ben Rich when he was asked, how do they get here? Ben Rich from Lockheed Skunk Works told Jan Harzen, the director of, of MUFON at the time, said, uh, what do you know about ESP? And he said, oh, it means everything in time and space is connected. And he said, that's how it works. And it was uh, Dr. Eric Walker, who was the former chairman of the biggest military think tank in the United States and was also the president of Penn State University, the big engineering college for 15 years, was president, friends with President Eisenhower and uh, Eisenhower's brother, Milton Eisenhower, and uh, he, uh, he told us at one point, he said, let me ask you a question. What do you know about ESP? And then the guy was from Great Britain was interviewing him. And he said, uh, well, he really didn't know. And he said, look, unless you understand about ESP and how it works, you will not be taken in by the control group. Very few people understand how it works. And that's the whole key. It's all got to do with this telepathy. It's got to do with the mind. It's got to do with the, these concepts that there is no, no physical world. The idea that all the primary uh, quantum physicists, except for Einstein, all were what were called realists. They all believed that consciousness was primary. Max Planck said, nothing gets behind consciousness. 
uh, Schrodinger and, and with the, the, the cat experiment and all this sort of stuff, they were all believers that consciousness was primary. And what happened in the middle of the 20th century was that Feynman said, shut up and calculate. It's like, let's not try to look at the philosophical implications of, of the, the dual slit experiment and the entangled particle experiment and all this sort of stuff. Just shut up and use the equations to build stuff. And that's what has been done. They've used quantum physics equations to build cell phones and technology and stuff like that. And the, the implications of the, the thing about the, the idea that consciousness may be primary, it's like, shut up. Don't, we're not even going to go there. But in the last maybe 10 years, uh, the UFO community has gone there. And I sort of make a joke that even people who don't even know what they're talking about are now using the word consciousness because they know it's a, it's a, it's a key word. It's a sort of a catchphrase now in ufology. And physics is now uh, starting to look at this as sort of the prime thing to figure out, the idea of consciousness. What is consciousness and how does this fit in? And I say that I think the beings, whoever they are, are trying to give us the same idea. They're trying to do displays. They're trying to uh, sort of impress us. Like when they had the, the incident with the Nimitz carrier in 2004, this famous one where they interact with the uh, U.S. Navy and they drop from 80,000 feet down to sea level in seven-eighths of a second. And I say, well, why would they do that? And it's because they're showing off. They're just saying, take a look at this. And they're getting people's attention, and they're sort of with breadcrumbs moving us down the road. And some of us are farther ahead than others that we sort of understood this. Uh, but the the UFO community and the, particularly the, the uh, uh, community out in the, in the public are, have a long way to go to understand this. And it's almost like Max Planck said, you do not convince your opponent of your position by convincing him you're right. It's a matter of a set of funerals and the, the younger generation uh, after all these funerals is not a, a, uh, offended by the idea and they accept it. And if you talk to young kids who are five, six years old and ask them, are there aliens? Are there this, that? And they'll say, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt. So it's that generation that has to grow up and we all have to sort of die off all the sort of the skeptics and the people who believed in the physical universe and the young kids are not offended by the idea that it may be a, 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 a big computer game because they play video games. It may be, you know, the simulated universe and the holographic universe and all that stuff may be true. And they're all into that kind of stuff. Whereas the old generation they're they're brought up on Newtonian physics and this is the way it works. And, and uh, you know, don't tell us we're wrong and this sort of stuff, or we'll, you know, take your tenure or we'll kick you out or stuff. So we're moving slowly, but this, this idea of consciousness on the craft is extremely important because the people that I have as witnesses, and, and I think you, you read that, I have a, a U.S. Air Force retired colonel from U.S. Uh, um, US Air Force, flew in Iraq. And I said to him, I said, you, you flew the craft? And he said, yeah, I thought it was, a, I think it was a dream. And I said, well, everybody thinks it's a dream. I said, sit down and tell me your dream. And he told me the same story as everybody else. I have a 747 United Airlines pilot who had two occasions where he, when he had this dream. And then one of his friends, Joe Burks, who you may have interviewed, Joe Burks says, I think it's for you, time for you to tell me this dream story. You've had it twice now. It's time for you to tell me. And he told that story, exactly the same thing, that he was flying the craft and it was just like flying a 747 and it was all done mentally. And uh, so I have all these various witnesses that, that sort of cross all this sort of spectrums of, of people and they're all telling the same story. And it's got to do with this idea that consciousness is extremely important. And, and you'll see that in any aspect of the UFO thing. With, when you start looking deeply into it, you'll see it gets more complex and more complex and more complex. And it becomes less physical uh, in, in its nature. And it becomes more complex. And I think it becomes more spiritual, which I think a lot of scientists are really not going to handle well. Because I always say, People say, well, you know, when the UFO thing is disclosed, uh, you know, all the religious people are going to be dis destroyed. I think it's exactly the opposite. I think the religious people will think, well, we'll go and convert them to Jesus. We had no problem there. It's the scientists who are, you know, paid $50,000 a year to go to MIT who are suddenly going to realize everything they, they were taught was absolute garbage. And they're going to be the ones fighting for the cyanide pill. I mean, scientists are the ones that are blocking this, this progression of, of knowledge on UFOs. It is not the, the, the news media. The news media will cover it. If you've got a story of a body or whatever, a craft, they'll cover it. No problem. The government is, is, is not the main factor. I think it's the, the science, that the scientists will not look at it. And if you talk about it, you'll lose your tenure and stuff like that. So, uh, But I think we are making, we are making headway. The, we're starting to realize it's not a simple nuts and bolts problem. It's very, very complex. 
and that the intelligence, whatever it is, is trying to help us down the way to understand it. But it does it piece by piece. It's not like our idea that we go into Iraq and we say we're here to bring you freedom, democracy, Jesus, and McDonald's. Because the people in Iraq turn around and point guns at you and say, get out of here. We, we have our own culture. Don't tell us what to do. And, and so that's what the, the intelligence is doing. Slowly, piece by piece, breadcrumb by breadcrumb, they're dragging us down this road of understanding as to what's actually going on. And there's that thing where if there was disclosure, if there was somebody in real authority who came forward and said UFOs are real, we're being visited by ETs, with this consciousness thing, you might have to say, oh, and by the way, afterlife is real as well. We don't die. We continue existing after our body dies. Yeah, and, that, and that's the other thing that I, I bring up about. I had, a, I had the download experience in 2012, and I also had one in 2017. Um, it was very cold that day. I was walking downtown. I usually can, I can sort of get these, these sort of inspirations when I'm walking. So that's when you sort of zone out. That's what I was doing in the Colin and Andrews lecture. I really wasn't interested in crop circles, so I was sort of zoning out, and it's like when you daydream, and suddenly a, an idea pops in your head. So I was walking down the street and it was 24 things and it was one after another, after another, after another. And one was, um, it, it was the, it said either th this or this. So it said, is the world made out of nuts and bolts? If it is, well, then that's one world with certain rules and regulations. But if the world is made out of consciousness, everything is going to change. And then it said, oh, and if you live one life, then you have certain rules and regulations but if it's multiple lives, everything changes. And that's exactly the idea, is this idea that, that we, are, we are eternal, we're moving from life to life, that, that there is, I say, as much evidence for reincarnation as there is for UFOs, but it's the same thing. It's the, it's the, uh, the science community is into this materialistic paradigm where there, there is no God and, and all this kind of stuff, and they, they can't give it up. It's, it's going to move one funeral at a time, where the young generation is not offended by the idea that the old people, and I, I actually describe this, people think, well, we can go and we can convince people who, uh, you know, don't believe. And I say, you might as well waste your breath. You're wasting your breath because I had done Stanton Friedman's files. I had gone to actually look at Stanton Friedman's files. And I can point out that Stanton Friedman worked as a researcher for 61 years. And he used to go on debates with Shermer and Carl Sagan and all these big skeptics, Bill Klass and stuff like that. And he would say, oh, I was at Oxford University and I had a debate against so-and-so or whatever. And he said, and 78% of the audience believed I won the debate. And it's like, but, but did you convince the other guy? And Stanton Freeman never convinced a single skeptic of anything. They stuck to their position. He stuck to their, his position. And that's what we've got to realize. The older we get, the more we get stuck in our little ruts. And that's why I sort of make a joke that if, if you're 20 years old and you haven't been abducted by a uh, an alien, you're never going to be abducted because they're not interested in you. They're only interested in little kids because they they have their minds are open. They they haven't learned all the garbage. Once you're 20 years old, you've you've got your religion all set and your politics all set and your your ego's all built into place and you've got all this garbage and the, whatever the intelligence is, it would have to have giant rubber boots and a giant shovel to get enough stuff out of your head to to get in there to put an idea in there. You just you just block all the ideas. You think you've got it all figured out once you're 20 years old. And the young kids, that's why they say, well, why would they abduct young kids out of their cribs? That's, that's terrible. I said, that's exactly the way it works because you need the kid at that age before they're, they've been infiltrated by all these stupid ideas. So I had these 24 things that came to me and the one was, was multiple lives. So I sort of remind people because people got all upset about this life and, and what's happening and stuff. And I said, you got to remember, when you die, your life will suddenly become a dream. And once you start your next life, this life will become a forgotten dream. Don't take it so seriously. All we're taking from lifetime to lifetime is even not memories. It's not our physical stuff. It's not memories. It's the things that we learn that are built into our soul. And I think those are the things that are passed down through DNA from one life to, one, to, a night, to another is the lessons you learn. So we come into the world to learn certain lessons. If, if reincarnation is a fact, then you have to realize that you probably have made a plan to come in here. It's not like every life you just sort of, uh, you know, let everything ride and say, well, whatever happens, happens. We have these plans. They say, oh, I'm going to work on love. I'm going to work on this. I forgot that. In the last lifetime, I'm going to do all this sort of stuff. And we come in with all these plans and these expectations. And then when we leave, we only get asked one question according to what I believe. And that is, Simon, how did it work out? And, he, and, the, and, and Michael Newton, who did 7,000 regressions of people, 
who went through this whole process, he said all 7,000 people said the same thing. Oh, I could have done better. I forgot to do this and I was going to do that and stuff like this. And then you plan for your next lifetime. Okay, now I'm going to learn this and I'm going to go along. And that's, it's this, it's this living idea that we, we come in. And what, what people also forget in the UFO community is they don't want to believe this idea that, that we have, that, that the abduction thing or that our UFO experience, that this is all pre-planned. They would, they want to believe it's random, that's a random universe. And, and that's because that's what's taught in Darwinian evolution. It's all random. It's just, you just, uh, uh, it's just noise. And if you see a pattern in the noise, you just think you see a pattern. There's no, it's just dull noise. There's just, there's no pattern. There's nothing. And, and people want not to believe that there's a pattern. And so I said to Mary Rodwell from Australia, who's done a lot of regressions just for uh, abductee people, I think 3000 plus. I said, Mary, if you regress everybody back to birth, how many will say that the abduction thing was, 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 was a soul contract was planned. And she said, Oh, uh, like a hundred percent. And I, so I asked Kathy Martin, who was the daughter of the, the Betty and Barney Hill and, or the niece. And I said to her, she's done regressions. And I said to her, Kathy, what do you think about this soul contract thing? This idea that we may be in, in agreement with the aliens and this alien thing, abduction is we used to be an alien our last lifetime. And now we're doing this side and, or we're working with them. Cause a lot of uh, experiencers will say, I think that's my family. The people that abducted me are my family. I, I don't. I don't think I belong here. And and the the so you get this concept that it may be a soul contract. And I asked Kathy Martin, "What do you think about the soul contract thing, Kathy?" And she said, "Well, I've really you know I thought about it myself. So what I did is I got myself regressed, and I actually heard the words come out of my mouth. I agreed to this, and that's the whole thing. People want to play the victim role." They want to say, oh, God's against me. You know, uh, the government's against me. The, the cabal's against me. Uh, my mother-in-law and this sort of stuff. And, and that's not going to go because when, when you leave the world, uh, you try to do that kind of stuff. They're just going to go time out. This is about you. This is going to do with anybody else in the world. You, you made these agreements. You came in to learn this kind of stuff. But people want to play the victim because that makes them feel better. They don't want to take responsibility. Once you take responsibility for whatever happens to you in life and says, maybe I planned this. And then you say, why would I plan to do whatever happened to me? And you start to see life from a different perspective that we are maybe giving ourselves hurdles to jump over. And uh, so the whole thing changes. And I think in the UFO community, they're still into the real sort of sightings or they they want to see how many UFO, even this last, um, everybody's waiting for this new report to come out from the government. And, and there's rumors, oh, it's going to be half. They identify, they only, there's half unidentified. And it's like, well, what does this mean? It's like, so what? The first one they said, we had 144 sightings and one of them we could identify what it was. And the other four, 143, we couldn't identify. And then everybody says, well, what did it look like? What was the shape? Oh, we can't tell you. It's classified. Oh, what were the sightings? Sorry, can't tell you. That's classified. And this worse than Blue Book. Blue Book, when the UFO thing came along, at least you knew what the shape was and you knew what the sighting. We're not even getting that. We're doing this, this sighting thing. And this is like a total waste of time. Other than sightings telling you that UFOs exist and that something's going on, it probably isn't us. There's nothing. Once you've seen a UFO, I saw a UFO up close. And I guess I had the thing where I didn't have to worry about trying to prove to my friends that I, I couldn't care less. I know what I saw. I was in pretty close to this thing and it flew twice in two, two nights, three nights. I, twice in three nights, I saw it up close. And so the UFO sighting thing, we're still on UFO sightings. That's what we were doing in 1947. We, we just haven't got off first base yet. We, let's, let's, how many green ones are there? How many fast ones are there? How many slow ones are there? And it's like, quit wasting your time. Yeah, UFOs exist. Let's move on to why are they here and why are we interacting and what is the message? That's where I've gone. And that's what this, this whole thing is about is to get the idea. Consciousness is part of how they move this craft around. And if you accept that as real, then you have to look at the consciousness thing and realize that it may be all consciousness, that God did not create the heaven and the earth. God created the sparks of the divine and we're the ones that are creating the heavens and the earth. If everything's made out of consciousness and we are creators, we, we are, as John Wheeler says, there's no out there out there. It's a participatory universe, the famous physicist. Then we are the ones creating the universe. And what you're doing is you're taking things in, you're processing them, learning from them. And then you're, you're turning around. And it's like this giant thing. The universe gets more intelligent and bigger and grander. And people think of new things. And that's how it works. The universe is, is alive and it's intelligent and we're part of that intelligence thing, but we, everybody wants to turn it around and to be a victim. And you know, the, why doesn't the government tell us? And, 
and this is this is terrible and you know why why would they do this to us and stuff and it's like forget it take responsibility for yourself and why did i come into the world what am i supposed to be doing and am i doing it and forget about what everybody else is doing it really doesn't matter it only matters why i came in here if you accept the idea that reincarnation is a fact and i say there's a lot of evidence for reincarnation for life after death probably way more than there is for ufos i mean there's piles of people telling these stories and they get ignored as well and they get offended and then when they come to me they say especially experiences oh my 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 husband doesn't understand me or uh you know my friends they won't accept and i said get used to it that's the way it works it's almost like you planned that so you'd have something to keep you grounded because it, almost n nobody even if you look at near-death experience the figure is 70 to 80 percent get divorced this story this story whether it's true or not i mean that, that there's this you are one day you are one person and they have this near-death experience and you're you're a totally different person and the person you married can't can't handle you because they had they you're not the same person i married and that happens in the ufo community as well people who have the ufo setting they go down the rabbit hole they start reading books and they they get obsessed with it and and a lot of them get divorced as well because even my first uh wife said oh i think this is demonic and I went, what? I'm thinking to myself, oh, this isn't good. Where, am I, where do we go with this? I mean, how, when you're, when you're, your best, your other half tells you that they think you're into demon, demons and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's pretty demanding that you, you stay on the path, but we get obsessed with the, uh, down the rabbit hole. But I think that's what we planned. We plan to come into the world because we are the ones that are passing this message of consciousness, of oneness, of, uh, you know, what the message is from the beings is absolutely, it's, it's a oneness message and love is the basis of the universe. Everything is alive, consciousness and one, everything's life, conscious and one. And that's the message they're giving us. And that you, you've got to realize you're part of the, uh, of the earth that you're destroying the earth. We're we've only since 1933, I think ecology really got going. The, the idea of ecology, that what you do to throwing stuff in the river affects the whole, the whole world. We, we didn't have that idea before. Now we got that idea. We're starting to realize we're part of the universe, the, the, the earth. Then we're going to realize we're part of the universe, that it's all connected. And then when you, you realize that, that I'm your, that you and I are connected to the same thing, then I'm not going to start chopping my hand off because I, I get some idea that some race is evil or whatever. I realize that whatever you hate in this world, get ready. Cause if reincarnation is a fact, you're probably coming back as that person and you're going to walk in their shoes, their race or whatever to get you to understand empathy and, and, and understanding. And that's, that's what I think is there's so many things in the UFO thing that I was able to move on and move to this idea of consciousness and near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences and all this stuff and start to realize this is all the same thing. This is all the same message coming from different perspectives, different vantage points. But in the end, I think the messages are all the same. And it's that, that idea that love is the basis of the universe and everything is connected. Everything's live, consciousness and connected. We're all connected to each other. And I wanted to ask you about the craft that you talk about in the book, because it sounds like the craft are conscious as well. So they have a consciousness, like they're alive, and the, the people yeah. who are piloting them, they work in partnership. Yeah, that, that's where people sort of get it. Like you always hear the, the um, argument about artificial intelligence. Do you, do you think the day will come when we could take consciousness and put it into a machine? What's the other way around? It's the machine creating the, it's the, it's the consciousness creating the machine. We have this idea that consciousness is some sort of thing that we grab and, and we can, you know, put it into a machine or whatever. We don't realize everything's made out of consciousness. So that's the lesson they're trying to tell us. And so when it comes to artificial intelligence, whatever you're going to use has to be biological. I remember talking to, um, um, Steve, uh, from Great Britain, he runs the big conference there. And he, he told me this story that he had worked maybe this would be 20 years ago, 25 years ago with bio boards already. This idea that we're going to use instead of silicon chips, we're going to use biological stuff like DNA. We're going to be able to program DNA. And I think that's what you do from lifetime to lifetime is we program different lessons and understandings in our DNA. And that is transferred to the next lifetime. And we, we carry on. But you, you, so the thing is biological. So it's, it's made out of conscious material and it can think the same as you and I, because it, it has this consciousness and it has its role. I remember the one woman actually was sort of talking to the ship to the, what she thought was the engine. And she was, she was horrified because this thing was talking back to her and they, and the, and the, the craft, this sort of engine was in contact with all the other crafts that were moving around in the whole solar system. 
and I guess they were connected by whatever. And and then she said, she said, oh, how this is terrible. You're stuck in this ship. You're just a a, a, a computer. And the, the, the ship said, don't worry about me. This is my role. And I, I'm quite content with, with this role. And, and that was the whole idea. And people will, there was a couple of people who described that they actually gave it a name, that they, they could feel the craft. And, and that's what you see is when you, if you ever interviewed Chris Bledsoe, there's this very ex- famous experience with John Alexander. And a lot of experiencers will talk about this as well, that once you've touched the craft, once you've interacted with the craft, then you know when it's there. And so you'll have experiencers who will say, it's here, it's here. And people say, how do you know it's here? I just know it's here. And it's because they're picking up the vibration. They vibrated with the craft. The craft is vibrating at a different tone or vibration. And once you become one, then you can feel that vibration. So when the craft is in the area, you don't have to see it. You can feel it. And there was a story that Chris Bledsoe was sitting there with John Alexander, who was this very famous guy who ran the top secret uh, advanced physics theoretical working group in 1985. And he was uh, head of non-lethal weapons for the U.S. military and stuff. Very famous guy, worked on UFOs and consciousness. He knew the consciousness connection because he'd worked on near-death experience. He'd, he'd, he'd got a, a degree, PhD in that. And um, so he's with Chris Bledsoe when, where Chris Bledsoe had the experience in 2007 in, in North Carolina. And now Chris is coming out with a book. He's pretty famous about his experience. And uh, they're sitting there and all of a sudden Chris says, John, they're here. And John says, how do you know they're here? I just know they're here. And then John said they sat there, and a couple seconds later, this big light appeared above them and went zipping off into the into the distance. And John uh, um, said it was the most dramatic he experience he'd ever had in his life. He just seeing this, where pick, Chris was picking this up, and that's where you'll see a lot of experiencers will know when the craft is there. They'll know when the beings are there because they vibrated with them. They know what the vibration is. So yeah, there's this connection where the craft is is biological, it's the same as us. It has a different role. And we may come back. You never know. We can, it's all experience. It's all experiencing different stuff. That's what life is all about. We may come back and say, oh, I'd like to experience for one lifetime to see what it's like to be a craft and then be a craft or, or be a gray. And then you get into the argument about good and evil. Well, they, you know, they're, they're good aliens or they're bad aliens. And I say, well, whatever. So you say the grays are bad. And I say, well, what happens if you reincarnation is a fact and you wake up after two days after you die and you wake up and you're a gray, are you now evil? It's this crazy idea that you have to realize it's all one. Everybody's expressing different things. And we're the ones that create the separation. There's me and there's you and I'm the good guy. You're the bad guy. It's like a football team. We, we run it like a, like, a, like a football game where, you know, there's the other side is the bad guys and the referees pulling for them and they're dirty players. And, and we, play, we create this world where we, we fantasize we're the victims and we, we lost the game because of the referees and stuff like that. And, and the, the lesson they're giving us is, is that everything's alive, everything's conscious. And so the craft, yeah, the craft is alive. And, and that's what they say. Once you put your hand on the craft, they, they can feel the craft. They, they, they're one with the craft. They can vibrate with the craft. And the craft is alive. And they're actually like communicating with the craft. And they can take their hand off like this, the, the retired U.S. Air Force colonel told the story about putting his hands on the panel. And he, see, he was just shocked. He said it was like flying an F-16. And he said well, he was flying and they took one hand off the panel and he figured the thing was going to stall. And then he was still going and he took his other hand off, but he left it only about two inches above the, 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 the panel so he could slam it back down if the craft uh, suddenly uh, stalled. And then he was, he was, he was unbelievable. He, he couldn't believe it, that he was there and he had his hands off and he, whatever he was thinking is where the craft was going. And that's this idea that, it, that you, can, you can control it and that you really don't, it's like a telepathy thing. It's all connected. So when you're, when you're doing your remote viewing, it's all connected. It's all one thing. And I believe that in remote viewing and all this different stuff, you're actually going within yourself, almost like this Sufi expression. You think yourself a puny being when within you, the entire universe is enfolded. It's this idea that everything is inside ourselves. Like when we have an out-of-body experience or near-death experience, we float away from our body and we can look back at our body and see our body there. And people say, well, the consciousness is in the brain. Well, how can the consciousness be in the brain if you're looking back and you're seeing the brain and the, and the head and you're, you're alive and you're conscious? The consciousness, the brain is in the consciousness. You're looking back at your brain and your, and your head and your consciousness is looking back. That means your brain and your conscious, your, your body is inside your head. And if you go and turn around in your out-of-body experience and go look out the window and you see all the stars and the planets, they're all in your consciousness as well. It's all within our consciousness. 
and all the consciousnesses are connected and we are the ones creating the world out of consciousness. It's all made out of consciousness. So you see this, you know, the aliens are conscious, the craft is conscious, we're conscious, and it's, and, and it's all connected by this telepathy thing where uh, it, it's all, and that's why the government was so interested. That may be why they're so interested in the UFO thing, not so much because they're interested in where the beings are from. They're interested in these, the, 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 the intelligence aspects of all these things, of, of having a, an intelligent craft, like a, a jet fighter, where you can actually just have the mind of the, uh, the, uh, the pilot. And I, I think I have in the book, and you may have read it in the book, they've actually done this in 2004, and I think it was in Georgia, at the University in Georgia, Atlanta. I mean, no, it's in Southern Florida. And what they did is they did, um, they, they took 20,000 neurons of a rat brain. I don't know if you remember this story. They take 20,000 neurons of a rat brain, they put them in this little Petri dish, and they put wires from the bottom they, on, on the Petri dish, uh, and they, they hitch it up to a computer that's, that's simulating flying an F-22 Rafter jet fighter. And so they put this input. So when, when the plane is going down, they send a high voltage signal, and, they, and suddenly they said within three days, they could see the, the neurons starting to gather together and make, and make connections. And, and the, it's like a brain was forming out of these 20,000 neurons, out of this rat brain. And, and as they, they did it, it could pick up. So when they put it, when the, the craft went down, the, 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 the neurons would make the craft go up. And then and when they had it all done, they had the craft flying. The, uh, the, the F-22 was being flown by these 20,000 neurons of a rat brain in this Petri dish. And they would put the worst conditions possible, like a side wind and like a real heavy wind and rain and stuff like that. And, the, and this 20,000 neurons of a rat brain continued to fly the F-22 rafter. And I remember I was with a major and he was in a, in a lecture and I asked him, I said, uh, Filer, Major Filer, I said, how, how hard is it to fly an F-22 jet fighter? He said, it's pretty hard. It's, it's not simple. And so this rat brain is doing it. So they've already, that's 2004 and that's white world technology. You can imagine what they're doing in the black world. That's the whole thing. They want to develop this technology where you can actually use this. And this technology, you, you know, it's 20 years old. So I don't know what they did with this technology there, but you can see this where they even had little robots driving around with, with these rat brains in them and, uh, and, and doing all this kind of stuff where they would send up signals and stuff like that. And you can see this is, this is conscious uh, entities, like these little rat brains. They've already done it already. And um, so I think the military is picking it up. The government, the, the UFO community isn't picking it up. And definitely the population is just so busy with their life trying to, take their kids to soccer practice and make a living and, and sleep and stuff like this. They, they just, it's not on their radar, not even in the top hundred issues is the UFO thing. So most people are just living their lives, but you and I who have gotten the message, who have got this, it's up to us to, to put it out there because we are no different than any other social or political movement, just because it's like childhood cancer. We should cure childhood cancer. Well, you still got to go out and campaign Everybody's not going to put down everything they're doing just to solve childhood cancer. The same as they're not going to put down everything they're doing to push the UFO issue. That's you and I. That's our job that we came in to to get this out. And and I think the we actually are in a worse position. If there's a judgment on the other side when you leave, um, we're in a worse position because you and I knew. I mean, if you're on the street and they you you come, they you just say, "Well, I didn't know. I had no idea this was going on." You and I knew, and it's like the Bible says. Too much is given, much is expected. So you and I can't say, well, I forgot to do it. I mean, I was going to do it. I mean, I, I knew about all this consciousness stuff and I knew how to help people, but I didn't do it. I mean, it's it's you and I are in a worse position because we actually have the knowledge that can change the world and it's up to us to pass it on and just put it out there. And the people who are ready to hear will hear and eventually down the road, the new generation will take what we've done and put it in and and make it work. And you and I will be in this situation hundreds of years from now where we will be famous. We will be the people that all these people actually knew. And it must have been just like living at the time of Jesus. And they were so lucky to know what was going on. We live in, as I, as I say, in the United States Super Bowl, but you would use the term uh, the World Cup. You and I, Simon, are playing in the, the World Cup. And we got to play in the big game, the final game. And everybody else doesn't even know what's going on. We got to play here. And whether we're, you know, the the scorer or the defense or the water boy or whatever, we got to play in this game. And we should realize we have we have a, a big opportunity to be the first at this and share what we, we have learned with people who, who don't know. 
I wanted to ask you about the way that the craft look and uh, the way the ETs look, because there's a quote in your book that starts off saying, the ET says, the way you see us is defined by you. And there seems to me over the decades, so many different designs of UFOs reported. Is it the same sort of thing? It's a consciousness thing? Yeah. Well, that's why that's some of the people are told in the craft. One of the things that Hal put off, who is sort of the main scientist who probably knows more about UFOs than any of the scientists, because he's worked on these uh, classified programs his whole life. He said, the one thing I'd really like to figure out is how does a craft be bigger on the inside than in, is in the outside? And I've even heard recently, I don't know if this is true, but that they recovered crafts on the ground, that when they go into the craft on the ground, it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. I remember Chris Bledsoe telling me this. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you'd look out and it would be like 30 feet across and you'd go inside and it would be just massive on the inside. And then he'd look outside again. It was small. And he'd look inside. And it was massive. And a, and a lot of experiences have told the story. I just had an experiencer um, uh, out of New Zealand who told me the story. When he was on the craft, it was 30 feet across on the outside. When he went inside, he looked down the one way. He couldn't see the end of the craft. It was so big, he couldn't even see the end of it. And he looked the other way, and he, he looked down the craft, and he said the same thing. He couldn't see the end of it. It was that big that, he, that it was just unbelievably huge. And one guy described he was inside the craft. It was the biggest size of a football stadium, like Wembley Stadium on the inside. On the outside, it was just a sort of a normal craft, which kind of indicates that they can control all this kind of stuff. They can control what kind of body they have, because that's what they say, you know, in that expression. That was the Israeli uh, experiencer, uh, Yossi Ronan, where he, um, that's what they said to him. And they came as green beings, like greys. And they, 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 when they left, the way they left is they all grabbed hands and they made a circle and they started to circle around and they went faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And he said, suddenly they became translucent. He could see through these beings and then they turned into light and then the light turned into a little tiny ball and it just disappeared. And so what, what you have is, is this sort of misunderstanding that it's physical with consciousness where it's consciousness that makes physical. And I remember the one story that sort of des describes how they can really change is I, I've told the story and I, you've probably, I don't know if you've interviewed Leslie Kane from the New York times, but I yeah. interviewed Leslie Kane. And the only question I wanted to ask her was one question. I said, Leslie, tell me, did you ask, is that story about the hand true? And she said, yeah, it was true. I said, tell the story about the hand. So she's telling about being with uh, uh, Stuart Alexander, a medium in great Britain. And she's very close to him. She's written about him, put him in her, her TV series and stuff like that. And she's sitting at a table. She said this has happened a number of times. She's had this experience. Stuart Alexander is all tied up in his closet, you know, with his mouth taped and all this kind of stuff. And she's sitting at this table and there's a red light under the table and she's by herself in this little tiny table. And she said it's like watery stuff, misty stuff starts coming up onto the table. And then suddenly it starts to form into this hand. And she said it, she, she grabs it. She said it's as real as a real hand. She said she shook the hand. She said she could feel, she was feeling it. She could feel the knuckles. She could feel the, the tendons and, the, and, the, and the, the skin and all this sort of stuff. She said it was as real as any hand she'd ever touched. And, and then she said the hand banged twice on the table and then it just sort of went back down into this misty stuff and underneath the table. And she's seen this four times, which this is how they come in. So they can manifest in our world. They can come in and manifest in our world become physical for a certain period of time and then go back where they came and they can appear as whatever they want to appear. There's even a thing where John, where Bud Mack talked about it, And I believe this is probably true is that whatever beings you see are influenced by your, your uh, belief system. So his, his thing was, if you're unresolved and you have fear, you're going to see a gray. If you are uh, very highly energized and, and uh, very sexually motivated and stuff, then you're going to see a reptilian. And if you're very religious, you may see uh, an energy being, like a, like an angel type energy being. And it depends upon uh, what your what your belief system is as to what you see. And there's some proof of that. So if I go back, so I always say the greys did not appear until 1961. And people say, well, no, no. And I say, no, no, the, the literature says 1961. There's really nothing before. If you look at the literature of the beings, and there is, there is a, a file of all the beings that were seen between 1947 and 1961, what you see is uh, alien with a with a with a, a glass helmet on, with a, a alien with a bubble helmet on, alien with a silver helmet on. All these things with helmets, and what what does that come from? 
from the 1930s and 1940s, science fiction cartoons where uh, people were around. The one even had tanks on his back and had these tubes going from the from the from the the, the helmet down into the tubes in his back. Well, that's right out of science fiction. So people were seeing that, and as soon as 1961 comes, suddenly they're seeing grays, and nobody sees aliens with helmets anymore. It's not been reported, and that's where you see everything's changing. So I say what's happening is that I call it the theory of wow, where the the intelligence behind the phenomena is just changing as we change. So in 1890s, uh, the beings that were seen were like human beings, and they were on these wooden ships with propellers and and big, huge, uh, you know, uh, balloons on top, and the the aliens would be hanging down off of of of, of, of ropes and the people that talked to these beings, uh, they asked them, where are you from? They said, oh, we're from Mars. And in 1890s, that was big in Mars because that's when they discovered the canals on Mars. And everybody thought, oh, Mars is, is, is so these guys are saying, oh, from Mars. And then suddenly they, they, they go to 1961 and then they say, oh, we're not, no, because everybody at that point, nobody believes anymore they're on Mars or Venus. You can take life or Uranus or whatever. So then they change it. They say, oh, we're from uh, Zeta Reticuli. And then the other ones say, oh, from the Pleiades. And, 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 then, and then suddenly we get into the whole thing about multidimensional. And now you start hearing this, we're from the fifth dimension, we're from the 11th dimension. And I think they're just playing off the way we, so they stay like 20 years ahead of where we are and they feed stuff back. And as, as, the, as we progress, they change. Well, it's been great talking to you. The book's called UFO Sky Pilots, Pilots of Peace and Oneness. And you have a podcast as well, don't you? Yeah, I have the uh, um, Paranormal UFO Consciousness podcast where I talk a lot about, I, I'll, I'll do, there I go across the spectrum. So I do near-death experience and I do out-of-body experience and I do um, a lot of consciousness stuff because I think that's the thing we've got to be talking about. So I do that and I have a, a White House UFO YouTube channel, which I uh, do a lot of um, interviews and we'll do, like now the big thing is, is, is orbs. So we'll do orb panels with... Um, people around the world who are photographing orbs and there's a lot of them, thousands and millions of photographs, probably a million and a half photographs that I know of. So uh, the, on my podcast, I'll do, I'll do a lot of interviews and a lot of experiences that come to me. I've got one guy who's dying right now who has a story. He said, I want to tell the story. I'm 31 years old. Only got two to four months to live and I want to tell the story. So I'll do that where experiencers will feel better and they'll be, they'll, they'll be helped uh, mentally by telling the story. That's what you got to do. You got to tell your story. You got to get out of the closet. Closets are for clothes. And once they get out of the closet, start telling their story. Then suddenly they become like missionaries. They want to tell everybody their story. So I get a lot of experiences where they'll say, I want to tell you. And I'll say, would you like to put it on tape? Would you like to be interviewed? And then most of them will say, well, yeah, okay, let's do it. Let's get out in the open here. And uh, then they're all happy and they, they get to tell their story. There's a lot of people out there who have never told their story, who are sitting there and don't know where to go. And they'll come to me and they'll, they'll ask me, can I tell you this story? I get a lot of that. Now, probably, you probably get the same thing where you, they, they want to tell their story and they want to get it out. And, and you're the guy they've picked to tell, to tell the story to. And you've yeah. written other books, haven't you? And you've, you've got the great website as well. What's your web address? Well, I, the website I took down, I had one that's being re recreated in Europe, but I, the website I took down was presidentialufo.com, but it was, it was a very complex because I did all the U.S. presidents. So I know all the stories of the U.S. presidents and who saw UFOs and what the president said and what documents. And I'm chasing after, like now I'm chasing after the Obama files. So the Obama files have become public and uh, it's FOIA. So I've asked questions on Podesta and these generals that were with Tom DeLonge and UFOs and paranormal phenomena. And what, what is the White House knowing? I've got like 40 of these requests in. So I do do a lot. But I took the website down because the guy who was building it uh, said, I can't do it anymore. And then it was so complex, I, I couldn't run the website. So I just said, ah, I'm doing consciousness now. I sort of moved to a different field. But I, uh, so I don't do that. I basically have my presidential UFO Facebook site where I put a lot of the new stuff that I, that comes up daily. I'm posting three, four things, but it's across the board. It's, it's consciousness. It's near death experience, which I think is very important. Uh, you know, reincarnation research. I think it's all important because what I say is the way my, my publishing company is called, it's all connected, all one word. It's all connected. And that's what, what I believe that all these phenomena, that's you interviewed, uh, um, um, Ray Hernandez. And that was the vision he had. Uh, he came to see me lecture in, uh, he was very concerned when he first got it. He said, 
I, 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 there's some connection. There's, there's a consciousness connection. I can't figure this thing out. And I had con I had contact with this thing. And I said, well, Ray, I'm giving a consciousness lecture in Florida. Why don't you come down to Sebring? And so he, he talked his wife into a second honeymoon. She didn't want to talk about it. She, and he came down there. And two days later, he had the vision that you probably talked to him about, where he's, he's in the middle of the Miami freeway. And this two days after he saw my consciousness lecture, he's on the, the Miami freeway. It's gridlocked. He stopped. And he said, suddenly I'm out of my car and I'm in this, in this uh, vision, like a near death experience. And there's this wheel turning and it has psychic phenomena, remote viewing, UFOs, uh, you know, ghosts, all this kind of stuff. And the wheels turning and the beings say to him, you guys have got to stop parsing this stuff. It's all the same thing. And that was the initial vision he got for free, the free foundation. And so uh, you get this connection between me and him as well. And that's, that's this idea where I, I wrote a book called Contact Modalities, where I look at 70 different modalities, whether it's hypnosis or psychedelics or uh, 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 meditation or uh, head injury or fever or whatever, where people uh, sort of almost like the alien that wakes you up and it forces you to dissociate. You're so scared that your vibration changes and they can take you into the next world where you've, you've, you rip the veil. So there's all these different methods of getting into the field and all the information is in the field. Everything is there. Everything that will happen has happened is there. And you get this, you bring up back these ideas or, or, or whatever by being in the field. So I did contact modalities, which talked about all these, these different modalities. And the other big one I did, I, I, I like is inspiration where I look at all the, the um, famous uh, pa uh, painters and uh, inventions and uh, inventors and I look at where do they get their invention from? And again, you see this whole deal that a lot of them are sitting on park benches and all of a sudden, pop, the idea pops in their head and they go running back to the lab and they end up winning the Nobel Prize and it just popped in their head. And what happens is they slow it down as I did with Colin Andrews where you're, you're slowed down, you're, you're daydreaming, you're not really thinking and your mind goes, your, your left brain shuts down where all the noise is, the ego shuts down and suddenly your right brain, the female brain is able to tap into the universe and it gets some information and it brings it back and it knows for sure this is for real. And then that's where all the inventions and it's, I have 150 songs that came in dreams. I have 150 songs that came in under five minutes where the person said, I was embarrassed to put my name on the song because it, I didn't write it. It just popped into my head. So you get this kind of stuff. And these are the most famous songs of all times, like, like let it be uh, by the Beatles where, you know, Paul McCartney said, Suddenly he was in this dream and his mother, whose name was Mary, died when he was 14 from cancer and, and it was a very tough time of his life. And she said, Paul, it'll be okay. Let it be. And that's why he sings in times of trouble. Mother Mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. Let it be. Came from a dream. And Einstein's theory of relativity came in a dream. The idea of the atomic atom came in a dream and I go through all this stuff and you start to see it's all connected. It's all this weird stuff. And I'm just, I'm honored to be able to play this. I mean, to, to, I, I just can't believe that people can live their lives just sitting there watching TV every day or doing nothing. Uh, we got to play. This is the most unbelievable. We get to hear all these weird stories every day and go, wow, this is so cool. I'm just so honored to be picked and be part of this game. And I'm, I'm honored to be able to be on your show and, and hear your stories. And I've listened to your podcast. And I just think that's fantastic. I walk around all day long. I have a, a headset on and I'll put your podcast, other people's podcasts on and I'll go, wow. And I just sit there and I just, it's a wonderful life is, is the old movie expression said. And I'm, I'm proud to have been part of it. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. It's been great. Beautiful. Thank you, Simon. We'll do it again sometime. And that was an interview with Grant Cameron about his book, UFO Sky Pilots, Pilots of Peace and Oneness. And if you want to hear the rest of this fascinating interview, which is another 35 minutes, you'll need to sign up to Patreon for the extended episode. Just go to patreon.com forward slash alien UFO podcast. If you join the $4.50 a month tier, you get an extended episode every month. If you join the $7.50 a month tier, you'll have access to an extended episode every week. And when you sign up, you get access to the episodes in the back catalogue, and they are ad-free and are released two days before the free versions. And please check out my other podcast. It's called The Past Lives Podcast. There are over 230 episodes. On the Past Lives podcast, I look into evidence of the afterlife, such as near-death experiences, children with past life memories, mediumship, deathbed visions, and other phenomena. I also release an extra episode of Past Lives podcast every Thursday called Paranormal Stories. 
My website is pastlifeshypnosis.co.uk and the link is in the show notes. And in my work as a clinical hypnotherapist, I take people through past life regressions. And when you book a past life regression hypnosis session with me and you've signed up to Patreon, you get a 25% discount. And I'm offering a free consultation call, which can be booked on my website. And if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or via your favourite podcast app to make sure that you don't miss out on any episodes. And thanks for listening. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.